Hello and everyone and welcome to our Fourbank County Health and Human Services Just for the Health of It podcast where we cover several topics to help the public make informed decision. Today we'll discuss a topic that impacts families everywhere. Alzheimer's disease is the most common type of dementia according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. In 2014, as many as 5 million Americans were living with Alzheimer's disease and this number is projected to nearly triple to 14 million people by the year 2060. It is one of the top 10 leading causes of death in the United States and we always have guests here that have been impacted one way or another by a disease Joining me during this podcast is Fourbank County Attorney Roy Cordes, who for many years served as the county's judge. Judge Cordes was his wife's caregiver before she passed away in September of this year from Alzheimer's disease. Judge Cordes, it is a pleasure to have you here as a guest. Thank you so much for joining us to raise awareness about this disease. Let's start when when was your wife diagnosed and how old was she? Helen was diagnosed in April of 2002 when she was 56 years old. Uh, then we called it. Uh, young on young uh, onset mm-hmm. Alzheimer's, or some people call it early onset Alzheimer's. Uh, but basically, she had was 56 when she got it. And before we go into details about the disease, you've mentioned that your wife was a bundle of joy. She was very energetic. She was very involved in a lot of uh, uh, different organizations in the community. Describe her to us before she was diagnosed and then the difference you noticed after the diagnosis. Well, you're correct. She was a bundle of Bundle of joy, bundle of energy. Uh, she served on the Fort Bend ISD school board, uh, late eighties, early nineties. She had her own business. She was uh, owned a company called International Tours. She was a travel agent. She sold that in the mid nineties, but she spent most of her time working with nonprofits uh, and helping raise money and coordinate efforts in Fort Bend County. She also served as a director on the Gulf Coast United Way board uh, for six years in the nineties, and at their request, served on the Fort Bend Regional Council Board and served three years as president of that. She was involved in many fundraising activities, including the Challenger Center uh, and a lot of others related to space events and uh, museum, Lone Star Stomp, many things. Mm -hmm. She had a good talent for meeting people, talking to them, and whether it was $20 or $10,000, seeking donations from them. And... um, Obviously, you're a, fa- you're a family member that had somebody diagnosed with this. What? How did you deal with the news of this diagnosis when you initially when, heard about yeah. it? When the, the final diagnosis came in, uh, I think we were both, as anyone would be getting a diagnosis like that, you're in a state of shock. Both of us were. Uh, about a year before the diagnosis, Helen knew something was wrong with her. Uh, she was the one that was driving a lot of it. She was saying, you know, she was forgetting things. Uh, she was having trouble doing things. It just, she just didn't feel quite right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, all of us were getting in our mid fifties and and up. We're saying, well, yeah, I mean, it's just part of the process, mm-hmm. and it can be to an extent, but it can get much beyond what a normal process may be. And Helen knew the difference, but it took a long time to go through the diagnosis process, mm-hmm. uh, ruling things out, which. You generally do when you have Alzheimer's. It's ruling out whether it's uh, thyroid issues uh, or other issues that may relate to cognitive, uh, slight cognitive impairment. According to the CDC, one in five adults are caregivers. Caregivers provide regular care or assistance to a friend or family member. Uh, Were you her sole caregiver at the time? It started out 
uh, in the early onset part of it, uh, the cognitive impairments were very mild. Helen could basically tear, take care of herself most of the time. Uh, I was there when she needed help. And then as the disease progresses, the individual needs more and more help. And I was generally her caregiver, sole caregiver, probably the first uh, five, five and a half years of the disease. Mm -hmm. And then when I was working, she would need someone at home to help uh, during the day. So we found someone who could help with that uh, and be with her uh, during the day. And then as the disease continued to progress, uh, she needed more and more help. And so you could do it at the beginning, but you just couldn't continue on because the uh, the needs grow with time. Yes, the needs the needs grow, and I think it's true with almost any dementia. As the disease progresses, the person needs more and more help. Mm -hmm. It's part of the, the progress of the disease. Uh, Helen spoke at several conferences because she wanted to get involved with the Alzheimer's Association, and she, we met the executive director here in Houston, uh, and she offered to be what some people might refer to it as like the poster child going back to the days in the 50s and 40s with, with polio and other diseases. Mm -hmm. And so she spoke at several conferences talking about the diagnosis process. She talked to other people with Alzheimer's disease. She wanted to ease burdens, but yet she also wanted to tell people, live your life. Uh, you have to accept the disease, but you can challenge the process of the disease. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You ought to be able to be an advocate for those who have it and for yourself but you also want to be able to laugh a little bit, uh, look at it and smile, and you also want to continue to love. And she usually concluded her remarks with statements similar to that. And how were you as a caregiver were able to, I mean, I know she needed more care as, as it, the disease progressed, but how is it as a caregiver, kind of what are the demands on you that becomes very, it's a it's a day to day process. It doesn't stop because you're a family member and you're there and you're there every day. I mean, how, was it was it tough? It's a challenge for anyone who does it. Why is it a challenge? It's a challenge because you look at the person you love, in this case, life partner, a, a wife, who is very dynamic and is always capable of not only taking care of herself but others and they get to the point they can't take care of themselves. One of the things is they may put a, a blouse on inside out. Uh, so you happen to notice that their routine tasks are more challenging. Uh, remembering short-term memory. Uh, you have to maybe listen to the same question several times and answer it without getting angry or getting uh, put off by those questions. Mm -hmm. And then it gets to the point they can't do many things we normally do. Uh, eating can become a challenge. Feeding themselves, preparing meals, it's all a challenge for them as the disease progresses. And how do you navigate that as a caregiver? You try to plan for it. Uh, in some cases with Helen, we put things out in the open where she could see them rather than have to remember where some things are. Now, that means you have stacks of things out on, on uh, chests or in the kitchen and things like that, but it enabled her to continue to do things as long as she could because she didn't have to remember when some, where something was. Uh, then you get to the point that even doing those things are more challenging because you don't remember how to do them. And, and y'all had children? Uh, uh, yes. And, and, and the children, how did, being a caregiver, you see this every day, but then when you bring in somebody who doesn't see it every day, 
um, and having to kind of experience it maybe for a couple of hours. Were the children prepared as well when they were around your wife to know that she, you know, progressed into this disease so she might not know where things are at or or was it just so? Yes, we talked to them early on. Uh, and what Helen and I both did, and of course I'm focusing on Alzheimer's uh, because that's what Helen had. There are many other dementias that have some of the similar progressions. Mm -hmm. uh, but what we did is we talked to Catherine and Allison and explained what we learned about the disease. For the first six months or so, we read probably a half dozen books on Alzheimer's, how it progresses. Uh, they all end the same. It's a terminal disease. Uh, but we explained that process to them and how their mother would change over time. Uh, and I think that openness and candor with them helped them prepare for it, and in some ways helped all of us prepare for it. Mm -hmm. So the communication part's a big part of it as well. So they had an idea what to expect, but it's still a shock. Of course. Because we all think of our parents as... Never, something is never going to go wrong with them. Right. <laughs> They're, They're always going to be that. <laughs> yeah, that, that must have been tough for you to see, for your kids go through that. It is. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Very much so. But again, any caregiver will experience things like that, whether it's a dementia, Alzheimer's in particular, or one of the other dementias, or even any other terminal disease where people get to the point where they can't care for themselves. Mm -hmm. But in many times, there are resources available to them, uh, whether it's, uh, in my case, I'm going to focus again on the Alzheimer's Association, which has resources available, whether uh, it's basically 24-7. There is a 1-800 number uh, that people can call. And they'll even answer questions about other dementias as well. But that 1-800 number is 800-272-3000. 800-272, and I gave you the wrong number. It's 3900-3900, not 3000. So just say that number again. Go. Sure. 800-272-3900 or online at www.alz.org. Uh, there's a lot of resources that are available to individuals. Uh, in our case, we received support through early onset counseling uh, that were furnished by the Alternative Association where we met other, other spouses that were going to be caregivers and the spouses with the disease or other family members that might be caregivers. It's not always a spouse. Sometimes it's a Mother. In some cases, it's actually a parent because you can get Alzheimer's in your 30s and 40s. Really? Yes. Or it can be a child wow. or just a sister or brother, uh, whoever's willing to step up and do it. Usually, it's the whole family that's involved. Absolutely. Because it's, it's, it's very tough on just one person to do this constantly. Um, and when it's, when, it's, when it's a family effort, when it's a group effort, I think it just takes off the tasks and divides them a lot better than just one person having to deal with it every day. Plus the family, you get, you can get support and give support mm -hmm. to the other family members when you work together and you talk. Uh, I talked with Catherine and Allison a lot about the disease and the progress and they helped me and I think I helped them uh, through that communication as well. Is Allison and Catherine uh, your daughters? Those are, those are the two daughters. <laughs> And you kind of touched on this, but some of the symptoms of Alzheimer's disease described by the CDC are memory loss, difficulty completing familiar tasks, poor judgment, and these are just to name a few. What were your wife's like main ones? Well, 
she had uh, initially some memory loss. Uh, part of it depends where Alzheimer's begins in the brain because it can affect different people in different ways. Uh, Helen was having some issues with coordination and uh, walking, doing normal things like that seems to be where it started to affect her. And she was very athletic. I mean, she was an excellent skier, scuba diver, hunter. We did all sorts of things. <laughs> but she noticed the difference and how it became harder and harder to do some of the things. Some of her coordination, some of her spatial uh, ability went away. And then also the short-term memory. That's why people sometimes get lost when they go out on uh, a drive while they're still driving, because you can still drive with Alzheimer's for a while, uh, or walking. They forget what they're going to go to get, or they forget how to get home. And, and sometimes that it's, it's like someone described it. He was actually a PhD out of the Woodlands that Helen talked to and talked to one of the conferences with her. He described especially the early onset part of Alzheimer's as standing behind a sheer curtain that waves and sometimes it's thicker and harder to see through it and where you can't really see the other side and sometimes it opens up where you can see clearly. Mm -hmm. In a way that's how he was describing his memory. Sometimes it was a real struggle, sometimes you couldn't pull anything up and other times for brief moments you had total recall. Mm -hmm. That's the early onset part. And does it, you said that it, it was, the disease affects different parts of the brain where it affected her in the coordination part. Does it get to a point though where it just affects every part of the brain where it's, does it, she doesn't remember who you are, she doesn't remember who her girls are. Did it get to that point eventually? If, if you live long enough, then yes, it will do that mm -hmm. uh, with it. Um, it can basically even begin to shut down some of your autonomous uh, functions. Again, if you live long enough. Your memories are always there. What it affects, at least under current science, is the neurons and the ability to access those memories. Hmm. A plaque builds up. And I'm not, a, I better say this real quick, I'm not a physician. <laughs> but, but you're I've very well versed on this. Uh, and what I understand, it's, it's really the access part of memory that you that you lose and then the brain begins to shrink because for lack of use wow you don't ever think about that no. um there isn't really a cure for this disease no there is no cure there are several drugs on the market uh that will help slow the, the progression. progression of the disease mm -hmm. uh there was one that the fda talked about last week that they did not okay uh that there was some kind Oh, let's say mild controversy on the Alzheimer's Association uh, thought it was a, a good opportunity uh, for this drug perhaps to be licensed by the FDA because it was the first new drug in oh, 18 or 20 years. And what did that, this drug do? That again, it, it will slow the progression of the disease mm -hmm. and different drugs will react with people. Mm -hmm. So you want to have all the tools that are available to you. How did you manage the disease when Helen was alive as far as make, making sure it doesn't progress. How did you manage it? Well, you can't, you can't stop the progression. Right. Uh, she was taking one of the uh, pharmaceutical pills uh, 
to help slow the progression for a long time and you double the dosage and then there's another one that, that supposedly helps as you get into mid-stage. And she had the disease for almost 18 years before she passed. Uh, the brain has reserves, so to speak. I guess I'm talking as a layman, but the better those reserves are, sometimes the longer it takes for the disease to really progress. Uh, in her case, it was, as I said, 18 years. And what is the relation between why would it be why would a memory loss disease cause death? You know, what is the the, the strong relationship well, it, here? Again, it has to do with other effects because you may in many cases die from something else or pass away from something else. Uh, you may have trouble swallowing, mm -hmm. uh, you may wind up getting pneumonia. Mm -hmm or another disease may come in, weaken, may weaken your immune system and you die from something else, although it's related to the Alzheimer's disease. Gotcha. <clears throat> but if you live long enough, as you were pointing out earlier, basically everything can shut down. Scientists still don't understand what causes Alzheimer's disease, but they all agree that there are a variety of factors that can affect each person differently, such as age and family history. Did doctors ever point a factor that led to the diagnosis in your wife's case? Did they ever say that there was something wrong with the family history or something that could have led to this? Uh, they did not. Helen had, if I remember correctly, an APOE4 gene uh, that can increase the likelihood of getting Alzheimer's, hmm. but it doesn't mean you're going to get it. <clears throat> Was that a screening that test that, that you guys? Gene. I'm sorry. Was that a screening test that you guys did to find that out? Yes. Uh, a blood test. Is it a blood test? Yes. Baylor's uh, Alzheimer's. Uh, Helen's uh, doctor for Alzheimer's was Baylor College of Medicine, hmm. which is where we went uh, for most of the treatment. Uh, Methodist Hospital also has a, a really good local center, uh, the NET Center for Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. and other dimensions. Uh, but we started out at Baylor and continued with them. And that's one of the tests they took. We bought Helen volunteered for it. And uh, we told both doctors that they could have the same test. But again, it wouldn't say you're going to get it. It's just whether you might have that gene. And they both declined. <laughs> they want to let yeah, And the doctor said that wasn't unusual. A lot of people just say not know. Yeah. Just try to live my life. Right. Because <laughs> if you have it, you may worry more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and absolutely. And you may have it and still never get the disease. So what advice do you have to offer for families that are learning that a loved one has been diagnosed? To me, it's under the way we approached it, and it worked well with us and with some of the other people we talked to through the groups I was talking about earlier, the early onset uh, groups we were in, is to learn about the disease as best you can. Uh, and in our case, we were talking to other caregivers from my perspective that were dealing with their, their loved ones uh, that have the disease. So you understand it, you begin to understand what the impact is going to be on we, all, well, we always worry about the person with the disease, but it has a tremendous impact on the caregivers uh, as well. As an example, uh, dementia costs not just with Alzheimer's, but other dementia costs, if you look at it through lost productivity by caregivers and other medical costs, it was $290 billion uh, cost to the U.S. economy in 2019. Mm -hmm. So it, it has an economic cost. It has an emotional cost on 
everyone in every family. And and you're saying people need to read and, and be familiar with this because knowledge is power. Knowledge is going to help you prepare. Yes. It helps you understand where you're headed, the, the path you're on uh, with Alzheimer's and many of the other dementias because there are no cures. Uh, it ends. I can end as soon as generally four or five years with some and our 20 years or longer with others. When Helen passed away, what was her um, state? Was she, has the disease progressed extremely or what was her state like? Without going into a whole lot of detail. Sure. Uh, basically, she was totally unable to care for herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's... And her eye, for a while, her eyes could track you and you could see some recognition at times and it got to the point you basically didn't have that either. Mm-hmm. And, and, and she was diagnosed at 56? 56. That's pretty young. Yes. That's very young. Yeah, but as I pointed out, there are people in their 30s and yeah. 40s who get diagnosed. And that's it. That's that's extremely young. 40 and 30. That's my age. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't imagine, you know, couldn't imagine going through that. Uh, certainly, not a, not an easy not an easy disease. And when there's no cure for it, and you just have to manage manage it, and you have to learn to live with it. That's even harder because we just learned that with every disease out there that there's going to be a solution to it. And that's one of those few diseases that there's no solution. It's just a matter of time. There is a great deal of research being mm-hmm. done on trying to find that solution mm-hmm. uh, and also how to slow progression, uh, whether it's healthy lifestyles, uh, diets, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to just say drugs, mm-hmm. uh, pharmaceuticals. Uh, that might help, and a lot of work on what really causes it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Alzheimer's Association is actually the largest private funder for that research. And again, I'm talking about Alzheimer's behind uh, the United States government and China. Mm-hmm. They're both they're the two largest from the government side, but the Alzheimer's Association uh, raises the most money and funds most of the research from the private side. What are some of the resources that you found helpful that our listeners could benefit from? Uh, when you say research about individually learning about the disease or the... Uh, maybe organizations that, that you, and I think you've touched a little bit about it, but organization, organizations that people can go to um, if they need help, if they want to ask questions. Right. Uh, what you can do, depending on the dementia you're diagnosed with, almost all of them have an association or you can search online and find that association and find the contact information and usually get resources and help from them. Uh, Again, I'm the most familiar with the Alzheimer's Association and they will help if you call the 1-800 line I gave you earlier. And if they can't help you, they can try to direct you to someone who can. Mm -hmm. And finally, out of the many things you, how long have you been married to Helen? Uh, it was a second marriage for both of us, mm-hmm. and we were married 33 years. 33 years. And, and out of the many things I'm sure you miss about your wife, what is the one thing you miss the most? You know, that's a, obviously a diff- difficult question. <laughs> and I think I can answer it bestly by saying the word I'm going to use encompasses many of the other things I could say individually, and that's basically her love. Mm-hmm. Because that can include the smiles, the hugs, the support, 
everything. But if I had to pick one word, love. Yeah. Yeah. And that is that 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 is the affection of somebody else. That's what you long for. And that's the most the hardest thing that you can't get through looking at pictures or it's difficult. It is. Oh. If if I can make one more uh, remark, Absolutely. as you learn about the disease, go back to one of the earlier questions. Absolutely. Don't be afraid or embarrassed to talk to your family, to your loved one as well, if it's diagnosed, and to your friends. Mm -hmm. Because we had friends that were with us through the whole process that helped. Uh, that's sort of the attitude that Helen had. It's not anything to be ashamed of to have a dementia. Mm -hmm. But it's a challenge, and we can all help and support those with it and those who are dealing with it. We're, we're a family. It's Absolutely. like it takes a, a village to raise a child, Well, it can also take a village to help people go through things. And I feel when you have a good support system, you don't feel isolated. Because sometimes when you're diagnosed with something, you tend to feel isolated because it's just you and nobody else around you in your circle that's diagnosed with it. So it's definitely important to have a good support system yeah. that's there, that's familiar, uh, that knows what's to come, that's that's knowledgeable of the disease. So, Anything else you'd like to add that I, that I did not ask you that you feel that people need to know about? Now, I think that, that last comment about not being afraid to admit that you have the disease or that a loved one has it, mm -hmm. seeking the support from others, uh, talking to people. Faith has a great deal to do with it as well. And love for the person mm -hmm. that has the disease. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Judge Cordes, for speaking to us on this important topic. We want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Please make sure to stay connected by following us on social media through our Facebook page, which is Forbent County Health and Human Services, and our Twitter account at Forbent Health. Thank you, and until next time.